0: on The Viewpoint.
1: If you're active on social media and love SAFM, we hope you'll take a moment to like or follow our SAFM page on Facebook and Twitter. These are the best places to find all the guest information, conversations and stories you love from your favorite presenters along with regular updates from SABC News. And don't forget, you can send your questions to feedback at safm.co.za. SAFM, leading the conversation. Songhezomapepe on SAFM. Welcome back. It's 2107. It's Monday, 13 June. We have Miss Vanessa Perumal, who is on the line now. She's the ambassador... For AFIA a Record. Let me just quickly read this This Health on Monday feature this evening. Over the last twenty-five years, Vanessa has established herself as a social entrepreneur, social justice activist, innovator, feminist, and strategist. She's the founder and MD of JT Communication Solutions, a Pan African Media Agency Communications Agency. At the height of COVID nineteen, she faced the cruelest of ironies. Uh, a diagnosis, a rare laryngeal cancer the vocal cord palsy essentially something was wrong there i just don't understand any of these biological stroke scientific terms vanessa with your leave please i just want you to just confirm exactly what it is that i should be saying but i just can't get my tongue around these things vanessa experienced hard of hearing nose throat surgeon dr khalil ishmael searching for answers or hospital delays due to COVID stalled the immediate implementation of therapy Essentially, you've been through the worst of things. Now, you have been invited to address the 70th annual meeting of the International Association of Laryngectomies in Charlotte, North Carolina. You attend this conference in your own right as an ambassador of Afya an African-developed health tech platform, and you will deliver on Youth Day, commemorating 46 years since the uprising, a keynote address so let's hear from you one good evening two thank goodness you are on the platform because whatever it is that has been a health challenge to you is not nearly enough to keep a good woman down so welcome to yourself and vanessa it
2: you doing? thank
1: you for having me what's going on what i mean all of these conditions that you have experienced here you are still standing Just give us a biological um, summary or a healthcare summary of all of these things that you have just been dodging and finding yourself in and having to recover from.
2: Long story short, on the 9th of May 2020, I was diagnosed with one of the rarest cancers during covid 19 social distancing level five, and I literally had four days to make a decision whether I live or die. And the decision was that I remove my vocal cords to live. So I had a total adjunctomy. I have a PR agency in South Africa. I'm a journalist by profession. I'm an entrepreneur. I work on some of the biggest festivals and events on the continent, and in COVID level five, I lost my voice. My operation was exactly 25 months to date. I've had five operations. And a total laryngectomy means your vocal cords is no longer. So that means I can't speak. But now through medical innovation, I have a voice prosthesis. By the way, before this, I used to speak with a Stephen Hawkins voice. So now I'm speaking again since the 23rd of October, since my fifth operation. And I'm hoping that John is on the line.
1: Yeah, John is gonna come on the line very quickly, but I mean, wow, this is just staggering. In COVID, with all the trauma in those early stages that the world itself... 24 days in ICU. 24 days in ICU, even before we get there, you get diagnosed. What is it that you were experiencing to the extent that you needed hospital, um, you needed to be in hospital, or you were told? I mean, what is a trigger? And what had you been experiencing up to that point before you knew, okay, you've got four days to make this decision?
2: I had a year
1: of testing, my
2: voice started just going and it got huskier and huskier. And I thought I had swine flu. I thought I had bronchitis. They thought I had a lot of different conditions and there's a condition that uh, at some point I thought I had sleep apnea Mm -hmm. and I kept on going for testing for an entire year. And eventually I was diagnosed, Which one of my kids would tell me what it was called, spasmodic dysphonia. And the president announced that we're going into lockdown level five. Yes. And in the announcement, remember they closed up all hospitals. There was a moratorium. So Dr. Ismail didn't do the operation in April, he did it in May when I went in for spasmodic dysphonia on that evening, the CT scan came back and he said, and he said, listen, I think you have a sarcoma. Well, he didn't know at the time on that particular time, but he said it's definitely cancer. And within four days, we had to go into hospital and book this appointment. I need to tell you this. My family and I were really, in a very big, on social media. I live on on Facebook. We had the privilege of having the entire South Africa pray for us. At the time of my diagnosis and at the time of my operation, 100,000 people in South Africa were still alive. In 25 months, 100,000 people died of COVID. And I got to live. I got into one of the best hospitals on the continent in Donald Gordon,
1: mm.
2: one of the most curious minds in the world, one of the most blessed strategists on the continent. I paid a staggering amount of money, and my entire medical team had not seen my cancer. So that 24 days, the first seven days was really horrific. It's a, a very difficult to be in a space where humans are not educated and do not put themselves in a knowledge position to understand the patient they're dealing with. And as I get invited as the first African, which I find quite annoying, quite, quite frankly, seventy years later as a pan-Africanist, to be invited to speak at the International Association of me is One of the key reasons I've decided to go was because I found through collaboration with Italian labs and meeting John Kamara and his team, sorry, that's my fireplace, discovering that there's a medical app which is now going to become a web-based portal that records data in real time of my medical history. I found it compelling to use my voice effectively. Fantastic. I I made a plan with Jesus when he sent me back that I need to be more intentional and purpose driven. You know, my work economic transformation of the continent i believe is one way to
1: fight for narrative change we're in conversation with miss vanessa piramal who two years ago had her voice and then she didn't imagine that the things you take for granted i mean simply put If she were in my position, she wouldn't be here anymore on this job because I rely, well, of course, on other things, but my voice is what delivers my work. Small things like that. You had a voice and then you didn't have it. In a sea of gloom and despondency at the height of COVID-19, where some 120,000 South Africans, as Vanessa makes reference, to, were alive and kicking and healthy and strong, and then COVID came, and just like that, they were gone. We certainly do give thanks for your life, Vanessa, first and most important thing, and thank you for being as strong to share your voice, albeit differently, but I think the purpose for which now you have gone through this journey is to lend your voice and give many other people voices. And in that regard, we're going to bring on to the platform John Kamara, who is the CEO of Afia Record, which is a patient-driven health data platform built on artificial intelligence and blockchain technology. It focuses on patients and allows healthcare facilities, importantly, to capture, store and have real-time access and mobility of the patient's health data. John, good evening. Welcome to SAFM. Thank you so much for your time. Your preliminary thoughts in engaging the work of Vanessa such that you will be accompanying her to North Carolina as part of this global message, really, about laryngitis.
0: Um, I think, first of all, Vanessa's story is phenomenal, especially that it happened during COVID as well. But obviously, considering all the things that happened during COVID, so for me, once I heard about that story, but also realizing where um, we came from with Afia Record in regards to why we built the platform in the same in the first place, both of them resonated. Why do we need patients to have access to their healthcare record, especially in Africa? Why is it so important? Vanessa, I was lucky; she had an amazing medical team. Over 33% of people die consistently because of lack of access to healthcare data and the movement of that data, and they don't have. The kind of medical facilities Vanessa would have had but even in that same vein of her having that access you still realize the value of the consistency of the health record across all the medical infrastructures that should have been in and even going forward as she tries to get other types of medical support but being able to use that data for effective, effective efficient and cost-effective healthcare. That is a reason why. And, and my story is really, a friend of mine died in a hospital in 2019, just before the COVID happened. And um, so we basically researched that information to understand why this had happened. And as we researched that information, we realized that He was diabetic, um, so again, a chronic illness that he had been working through, and he had just moved from um, Europe to Africa to chase the African dream. And by the time that he actually um, went to work on a particular day, when he had finished work, he he had a seizure. And from that moment of having a small seizure, being rushed to a hospital, The hospital did the right things. They treated the symptoms they saw. They treated the fact that he was diabetic. But everything they did that was positive was actually counterproductive because everything that was happening to him before he got to that hospital, they were completely blindsided. And the first thing that everybody did was blame the hospital, the doctors, but it wasn't their fault because they were completely blindsided. They had no information, no knowledge that his previous doctor had him on a different type of medication. He was self-medicating. So many other things were happening. And by 5.30, he was dead. And this is the story of our sharing it.
1: The important thing here is I suppose, of course, you would have been heartbroken by the passing of your, of your friend and there's never an inappropriate time to extend one's condolences. So please do receive mine. But that worry, that hurt, that pain created what has the potential, managed correctly and importantly, responsibly, could recover so many of the backlogs in public health care in the world, but especially on the continent, where we do know, unfortunately, it's, it's as big as a pandemic anywhere else, that healthcare care records simply do not exist at a level that is credible enough to allow healthcare care facilities and practitioners, especially to make the right calls, because they simply have no history of the patient, how do we ensure that Afia Record becomes that gateway to curbing that phenomenon?
0: Good question. I think the first thing that we do is put the patient at the centerpiece of healthcare. So if I ask you a question right now, do you have access to your financial data from your banks?
1: Of course, yes. Fingertips.
0: Can you pull up your healthcare data from your fingertips right
1: now? You drive a good point. I can't. Okay. But
0: what is the most important data in your life? It's actually not your financial data, it's your healthcare data. Absolutely. It's just that everybody is a patient. It's just when your journey starts. Some people are patients every single day because they suffer from chronic illnesses. That's over 30% of people globally. So imagine most of us and especially in africa where, where we have limited infrastructure limited hospital limited resources i'm actually at the airport going to a particular place down to look at infrastructure so imagine we, we can't solve those problems because they're huge but we produce data consistently and even trying to digitize those data there's 10,000 different software that is doing all this stuff again very difficult expensive to create interoperability around them but if we focus on the one person, the one thing that consistently moves in healthcare, me and you, and put the data around me and you, secure it properly, which we're doing on the blockchain and using modern technology, and make it you know, extremely privacy conscious, maybe, just maybe, we might be able to shave off some of the costs, create better effective healthcare, and more importantly, save more people's lives. So you, when I ask you, do you have access to your healthcare record, you can just go pull it up and say, here's my healthcare record from every hospital that I've been to, but it also requires education. I have to educate you the value of why you have to do that, which is why we first focus on people like Vanessa who've been through this and who understand the value of healthcare data. So basically, we're building an opportunity for Africa to train the world. How data in healthcare should be owned, because legally, as long as you produce the data, you know. For years, we've been lied to that you know you can't. Ask. No, as long as you produce the data, it is legally and rightfully yours, Absolutely. and you have the sovereign right of ownership to it. But because people don't understand that, hospitals, everybody takes advantage of the patient. So when even you, when you ask for your healthcare record, it seems as if you're doing something completely foreign and unimaginable.
1: Vanessa, let me bring you in here because John raises an important point. John Kamara, founding CEO of Afia Record, the healthcare platform, healthcare technology platform that allows access, patient access to data. From a activist point of view, I mean, this is not just an information issue. In the South African context, and you would be quite alive to these things, Vanessa, this is a constitutional right, among other things, to information, your healthcare information in particular, and it ties to dignity, and if you really want to get into it, the right to life ultimately. How do we ensure there is this migration then from the very, well, poorly arranged healthcare recording of data, particularly patient data, to ensure the credible platforms that... Um, I feel a court presents as that we ensure people like you become the first in line as opposed to one of intermittent persons who will then have access to this information because this information allows you to make the most efficient decisions about your life, I suppose, correct decisions about your life, knowing what spaces to access when and at the costs associated with it. How, how, how do we advocate now? for this sort of migration where this platform becomes central in the discussion of healthcare data being that primarily belonging to the patient?
2: So to answer your question, my our agency, JT Communication Solutions, has had one of the strongest market shares in South Africa and in New South Africa. In the 18 years, we work in some of the most prolific Arts and culture events. And during COVID 19, our captive income stream of a couple of millions of rands was diminished within one second, like everybody else's, when President Ramaphosa said that. Now, until I met John, and in my own journey, you know, I shouldn't have been able to make it. But because I've managed my As an entrepreneur, I manage my business well. Even then, I, with all my education, have proved to have so many gaps. About eight months into my operation, by accident, because of COVID level five, we did not have any visitors. But we had a visitor who explained to me, our brother, was a pilot had these billions of dollars. And she dropped off. Oh, by the way, I'm sure your dreaded d- disease cover from my insurance, you know, paid you out. And I'm like, what the freak of hell? I didn't even know that. I had dropped my life insurance to quite a bit. Significantly, what's important when I call Discovery Health? They paid me out immediately. Tens of thousands of rands, but they had missed, they had selectively paid me out. When I went to my ENT, he went on his computer. I said to him, "Why did you tell me I had t T4, which is uh, most life-threatening of cancers, as a total laryngectomy patient?" And he said, "No, just give me the, their number, their email." That same evening. Send the email, he sent the email, within 48 hours, my finances were restored. I was able to pay off five of my houses overnight because of a medical, you see, because of the link to an insurance policy that I didn't know. I subsequently met one other survivor and so I was listening in tonight, I think, oh. as a result of the Information they paid off two of their houses. So apart from, you know, Shoni died in hospital during COVID. It was all over the news, one of our good friends. And he kept on saying he was hungry. There was no COVID in his body. And there wasn't any record to prove his medical status. When I was in hospital for seven days, I felt I was abused by the by the medical system because they didn't take the time to listen or to be informed about my own medical records.
1: I think ultimately what you are saying is there is a great information asymmetry between patient and one's and the other and the other stakeholders in healthcare, be it the facilities, be it the funders, administrators like your discoveries and your bonitas as the case may be to the health practitioner in certain instances, more especially when you're talking about misdiagnosis. I mean, a misdiagnosis has got some serious consequence, as you clearly discovered. Thank goodness for that fortuitous conversation. How then, final question to you, do we bridge that gap of information asymmetry between I as the patient and one who's going through this healthcare challenge or journey between those who are employed, who are my security against this healthcare condition to at a minimum, Give me the right information so that in this instance it can be a financial break because we do know how, unfortunately, expensive healthcare in this country is expensive because for the most part we access it where we can through the private sector because in the public sector, although one might get it, it's a question of when one might get it.
2: So let me go first. What I like about AFIA Record is they automate the patient portal, they intermate in that mobility of data will be immediate and that you'll be able to have access to your records. And as they automate the portal like Uber and all of these technology enablers, I'm hoping that we as Africans will then get on board and hold to account the entire medical fraternity, but also empower ourselves and I'm gonna hold John to account because I've I'm patient number one in each <laughs> team. So so you know, we go into the USA. Why? Because it's important to onboard and support
1: African innovation. And I'm going to let John speak. Certainly, because that would have been my next question, John. And this is the final conversation. Vanessa, for now, though, thank you so much for your voice. We certainly do wish you well. And please come back and tell us how you were received in the United States and particularly what you are going to address there. I don't want to ask that question because I just think it's a little premature at this stage. But, John, from your end, and I think from a business angle, how do we – where are you looking to pitch your 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 product, Afia Record, and what are you hoping to get, be it support or partnerships from the U.S. ultimately to bring back to the continent so that we can have the feel-good story that we are all yearning for? Uh, thanks very much. I think for me, the first thing is to show the world that we can build
0: deep technology platforms out of Africa that can solve lives, save lives, and solve global problems. And like I said, so when I was in Paris, I changed now. I said 10 years from now, you see us here because we're not trying to build a business because we... Uh, focus on trying to make money. We want to save people's lives so our impact agenda is much more stronger than even our commercial value. And you know either it happens today or 10 years for me this is a life journey. it's not building uh, I'm it's a pain. I want you know 10 to 15 years from now to see half a billion Africans have access to their health record. And the goal is I start with the first patients who are more threatened with lack of access to their health data. And they're the ones who become the ambassadors and the champion. They're the first 10,000, 20,000 patients we give this platform to across Africa, where we work with providers of insurance. Okay, allow your chronic illness patients to onboard and actually store their data themselves. They have the data, Vanessa has the data. She doesn't need to go back to a hospital to store that she can basically onboard all her data by herself from day one and there's so many other patients like that so because if we if we rely on the infrastructure there's so many bottlenecks and there's so many regulations and unnecessary jurisdictional issues but the patient directly i as a patient i can pull my health data and and the second question if i ask you right now your health data you can probably get it on email whatsapp um, phone even paper scan, all these different ways. Well, what I'm saying is, but those people who have to, we will help you consolidate it in one consistent value. We'll give you tools to help you model and monitor yourself, even track your healthcare. Then you can add your doctor. You can score the data of your kids. It doesn't have to be with the hospital. It's with you. You can add, you know, you can add your scan. We just did a partnership with General Electric Healthcare as one of the first startups in Africa where we can now put scanning image and we're pulling image from scanning devices into the patient folder. So whenever you go to scan anywhere, once we're connected with that, it would draw the image directly to you irrespective of the device owner. So this is some of the things that we are doing to say, look, out of Africa, we want to solve a problem that help us reduce the cost of health infrastructure and the cost of the burden of healthcare. But from a global perspective, even though I was I grew up in Ireland, in Dublin, I still don't have to access to my health record, but it's somewhere digitized. What if something happens to me now?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Fair point. And that is the question. Critical question. That is the problem. So either the data is digitized today or it's not digitized. It is the same problem. You don't have immediate
1: access to the most important data in your life. And it certainly is the most important data, data that belongs to you, Afia Record. He is hoping then you can change the game and change the go- the game for good, for the better. Thank you so much and safe travels to the US. I understand you're leaving Nigeria tonight, as is Vanessa from South Africa. All the very best then as you engage the world in healthcare in North Carolina. 2135, that was hashtag HealthOnMonday here on SAFM. One more story, hashtag top Scholar.